Block It Up is sponsored in part by HODL Services. If you're looking for a disc jockey, karaoke host, to videographer, our company can help. With over 17 years of experience, we would be happy to assist with your special event. You can contact us at 226-988-2895 or visit us at our website at hodlservices.vpweb.ca. That's H-O-D-D-L-E, Services. We look forward to hearing from you, and helping with your special event. Yes, that's right. It's Lock It Up Sports Talk. My name is Logan Lockhart. That right there is our football guy, Nolan Kangas. And by the way, Nolan, I'm not sure you're aware of this. You were the first ever guest on Lock It Up Sports Talk way back in November. You may remember we are on the Fine Huddle Network and on ASTV, our second episode on ASTV. So hello again, ASTV. Nolan, how you doing? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me. No problem. Anytime. One of my favorites, Nolan. Again, he was the first ever guest on Lock It Up Sports Talk. So here we go. He knew I was going to reach out to him when the NFL draft is coming up. He knew it. He knew. Okay, let's get right into it. I feel like it's deja vu with the New England Patriots. 12 months ago, I was sitting here saying the same thing. Okay, who's playing quarterback? I was prepared to give the reign to Jared Stidham. I was really prepared to do that. And, well, Cam Newton comes in. It kind of threw a wrench in those plans. But here we are again. Where do you stand with the Patriots and them in the first round of the draft? Tricky situation because I think they could go a few different directions. And now the talk is that the New York Giants, they want to trade down. And I think that could be a pretty good trade partner for the Pats. If they move up from 15 to 11, Right. Like there's a spot there where they can go get their number one receiver. And I think that's the direction they're looking at in the draft this season. Sure. If maybe a Justin Fields or a Trey Lance falls to them, I, I don't think there's any way they you know pass on those players. But you look at their receiver depth. Right. They pay big money to Nelson Aguilar. They go get Kendrick Bourne. It's going to be a two tight end set there with uh, Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith. They still need that clear cut number one guy. And I think there's three receivers, maybe even four in this class that can do that. Jamar Chase, Devonta Smith, Jalen Waddell, and Rashad Bateman. If they stay at 15, they can go get Bateman. But if the Giants are willing to trade down, why not move up and go get the Heisman winner in Devonta Smith? I, I think that's the direction the Patriots need to go. But then again, we've seen in the past, they take a receiver in the first round and it doesn't work out. But it is going to be, you know, very interesting what they could do, right? If a Micah Parsons falls to them at 15, you know, he's a generational linebacker. Maybe they go corner as well. Stephon Gilmore's getting up there in age. That is a pretty expensive contract as well. Maybe they want to move off that in the future. It's going to be interesting. Do you really believe that Bill Belichick's in a position where he would just take the best player available and the one that makes the most sense to us? But it seems like he doesn't do that, right? This is why the Patriots are so fascinating to me. And ever since Tom Brady and the era ended, um, it's been even more fascinating. I don't know what the Patriots are going to do. 
Yeah, and that's the thing as well, that in most situations, when you look at this team and their roster heading into free agency, you think they got to hit the reset button, right? you got older players, Tom Brady's out the door, you know, winning Super Bowls in Tampa Bay. Where are they going to go? Is it going to be a Mac Jones? We were all thinking it's quarterback, right? And then they spend the most money in free agency, bring in a ton of weapons, pay money on the defense as well, right? They get Matthew Judon to be their new edge rusher, and they you know, bring back Cam Newton on a pretty cheap deal. So it is kind of odd the direction they want to go, whereas I think in you know most cases we would think, like I mentioned, they're going to hit the reset button. But when you have Bill Belichick, who's been winning Super Bowls left, right, and center his whole entire career – there's no way this guy wants to be in New England trying to do a whole rebuild. He wants to keep pushing for a Super Bowl. No, I think you're absolutely right. And we found that answer because we weren't quite sure, right? 2020, okay, it's a transition year, but the Patriots might be pretty good. I mean, I saw people saying the Patriots are going to sneak in. Even about week six, week seven, I think that we could have sat down and said there's a path for the Patriots to make the playoffs here. When you look at the schedule – it was just a couple games got out of hand, and then eh, it's a write-off of the season, right? But the Patriots, they're actually not that far away, and a pretty successful offseason. If you were to rank their offseason amongst other teams in the league, you'd put them top of the pack maybe? Uh, no, I'm not going to put them top of the pack right now. I'm going to go with Cleveland Browns. I think they've had a phenomenal offseason. John Johnson III is one of the most underrated safeties in football. Jamie Clowney, when he's the number two pass rusher on that team, he can be dominant. Right. And we know they have Miles Garrett, who's one of the best in football. So I'd say Cleveland is a step above them. And I don't think necessarily spending the most money makes, you know, for the best offseason as well. I, I think they figured they had to make some moves, but still some questionable ones. Whereas, you know, big money to Nelson Aguilar, right? That to me didn't make much sense. Kendrick Bourne was a nice little number three, number four weapon in San Francisco in a really great offense. This, with Cam Newton, it's a different offense. It's not Kyle Shanahan, right? It's McDaniels and Cam Newton, whereas last year he wasn't so good. Is he going to be that same type of player with, you know, some improved weapons, especially the tight end position? You know, you're mentioning that they might be able to sneak in, but I think there's two teams in their division who are clearly better right now in Buffalo and Miami. And I think there's other teams in the AFC, whereas you look at, obviously, I mentioned the Cleveland Browns, the Baltimore Ravens. Are the Pittsburgh Steelers going to be them there again, right? Their defense should still be good. It's whether their offense and Big Ben can hold it together. And we already know Kansas City, Los Angeles is on the rise. Is Tennessee going to be back? I'm not so sure this team makes the playoffs, right? I think they're relying a little too much on the money they spent, whereas which Cam Newton are you going to get? You're not going to get 2015 MVP Cam Newton. Are you going to get sort of in the middle there where he still has some big moments? Are you going to get the Cam Newton of last season? Uh, championships, they are not one in the off season. We know that. We can go through every sport. They're just not, right? So I know people in New England are excited. Okay, a bit of a revamp here. Um, Tom Brady's gone, which means that we need a huge revamp, and that's kind of what they did. But let's go to the draft here. Now, last year, it was all about Tua versus Herbert in terms of the quarterback discussion because we knew Joe Burrow was going to go number one, the Ohio kid. And then other than that, it was like, all right, well, who do you like better? Who do you like better? And some people said Herbert. Some people said, how can you not say Tua in this situation? Do we have a situation like that this year where the debate will be hot and heavy right up until Goodell speaks? 
I think so. Uh, uh, like we all know Trevor Lawrence is going number one. He's been the consensus number one pick since he beat Alabama in that title game. I think where the question ends up is, is it Zach Wilson or Justin Fields? I think those other quarterbacks are a step behind those guys. Trey Lance is that clear cut number four guy for me. Whereas Mac Jones is number five. There's been the talk. I know we may might get into this as well. San Francisco, they're set on Mac Jones. To me, that makes absolutely no sense. And I think that would be a horrible, horrible mistake, right? Clear cut, there's two guys who are way better than Mac Jones. He had a phenomenal season. He also had the best weapons in college football. He also also had the best offense in college football. He also had the best offensive line in college football. He also had one of the best running backs in college football, right? So I, I think you have to take that with a grain of salt that he's not making these, you know, phenomenal, phenomenal plays that we saw some fields, like we saw from Zach Wilson at BYU. It's more get the ball out quick and let your guys, you know, make plays after the catch. So he's my number five guy. It's kind of deciding what do you like more? Do you like kind of the slow processor in Justin Fields, but he's a little bit more accurate, right? He's a little bit better of an athlete. He did it in the Big Ten. Or do you like the off-schedule throws and kind of the Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers type of throws from Zach Wilson, but in worse competition. So I think all the way leading up to the draft, most people think it's going to be the New York Jets taking Zach Wilson. But I think, like you mentioned, it's going to be the Herbert and Tua discussion with those guys as well, whether, oh, did New York make the right choice? Oh, did Miami make the right choice, right? Who do you like for the Niners then? That was interesting to me. Um, What kind of direction are they going into? Because there's a lot of questions under center right now. And um, I don't blame anyone who's asking questions, quite frankly, but you seem pretty set on a direction they should go into going into next season. Uh, Well, so I think the Jets are going to take Zach Wilson. So I I think Justin Fields makes the most sense for the 49ers, whereas he's an accurate quarterback who still has that deep ball range. Jimmy Garoppolo, with the short stuff, is an accurate quarterback, but he doesn't have that deep ball. We, we, you know, look back at the Super Bowl. Remember, he misses Emmanuel Sanders, who was wide open for a touchdown. San Fran probably wins the title, right? Mahomes doesn't have a ring. He misses that throw. We know the whole story now. They trade up to three. They're probably going to move on from Jimmy G and take a quarterback. I understand why they might like a guy like Mac Jones because, I mentioned, he gets the ball out quick and he's accurate. What do the 49ers do? They have Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk who get the ball and run after the catch. Same with George Kittle as well. But you could have got that guy at 12. So I don't know why you'd move all the way up to three to go and get that guy and you know trade two, three first-round picks. Whereas I think trading up to go get a talent like Justin Fields makes a little bit more sense. And also, he's a way higher-end athlete than Mac Jones. We've seen he ran like a 4-5-40 at his pro day, right? Jimmy G didn't have that athleticism outside of the pocket. Fields can do that, right? So I think he would be the perfect quarterback for the 49ers. And also, if he is that quarterback selected there by San Francisco, he has the highest chance to be rookie of the year because he has all those weapons and a decent offensive line in front of him. Right. Don't you think that the 49ers are almost kind of being slept on a little bit? And, and I think that's a product of the division that they're in. It's a big time division, powerhouse division. But we almost forget that there's a bit of a Super Bowl hangover. COVID year, they dealt with a lot, the 49ers. And let's trust Shanahan here to really get everything in order. Um, I think the 49ers are going to be good next year. And the draft is going to say a lot. And if they hit on this pick then it's really going to position them to be in a good spot. 49ers in that division, before we move on to some other draftees here, um, you like them in that division? I do. And I, I took them 
to win the NFC last season. Obviously, you know, before the year started, I thought it was going to be another rematch, KC, San Francisco, just because they're so deep, right? They're so well coached as well. But, you know, like you mentioned, everything happens. They were smoked with injuries and that hurt them a ton. But going into it, it feels like that team again where it's like, you know, if they figure out the quarterback, they have weapons, an offensive line, Nick Bose is going to be healthy. Oh, yeah, you know what? They do have some linebackers as well that help out. Like, how can I, you know, not pick them to win the division or the conference again, especially with the coaching staff as well? Whereas, yes, I get it. Arizona's on the rise. If Cliff Kingsbury keeps coaching the way he's coaching, he's going to be gone in a year anyway. Is Matt Stafford and L.A. really going to click together? You know, sort of seems like the relationship in Seattle is tarnished a little bit between yeah. Russell Wilson in the front office and Pete Carroll. I don't know. I, I I think I would take San Francisco to win that division, and I think they're a threat to win the conference. I think the 49ers have the least amount of questions that we can ask, quite frankly. You brought up Stafford and L.A. We don't know. We don't know. R- Russell Wilson with the Seahawks. I don't know what the future holds right now. I really don't. It's looking almost like an Aaron Rodgers thing there. And that's not good. And then the 40, um, excuse me, the Cardinals, again, we all love Kyler Murray. How is his relationship of, you know, Kingsbury going to keep going? Because we weren't too impressed with the game management down the stretch. We just weren't. So there's a lot of questions in the NFC West. And not a lot of them are, are looking at the 49ers. Mm-hmm. No, I, I think you're right about the Cardinals as well. Is I, I just don't think they know the direction they're going in. Right, you go and make that big trade for DeAndre Hawkins, and it looks sexy, right? You got Kyler and Hawkins. It looks like it's going to be a terrific duo. And at times they had that, right? We remember the Hale Murray, but then they make weird offseason decisions as well. I don't know why you need to go pay James Conner at running back. I like Chase Edmonds out of the backfield. This should be a Kyler Murray throwing the ball 45 times a game and letting him run and scramble for 10, 15 yards. That should be the game plan every single time. But they continued to call stupid plays, whether it was Kenyon Drake up the middle on first down. Oh, third and one. Why don't you run read option or something where you have Kyler Murray who can run a 4-4? Nope. Let's HB dive right up the middle with Kenyon Drake again. It doesn't work. So uh, they're another interesting team. Like you mentioned, question marks. It's going to get to the draft. If one of those receivers is there at 16, man, can you imagine Jalen Waddle in this offense? I, I think they imagine Andy Isabella to be that burner down the middle of the field. That's all he can run. He can just run a scene. If you have Jalen Waddle, whoa, this offense would be explosive. It just can Cliff Kingsbury call the right play. So I think you are right. There is like almost no questions of the 49ers. The only thing is, who are they going to pick at three? And I think that should be Fields. Not to say that they don't have questions. Absolutely, they have questions. The questions seem to be just a little more, nah, not as pressing, right? I mean, the questions that don't need to be answered right now. Now, coaching in Arizona, that might hold them back. But let's have some fun here. Um, comparables. This is one of my favorite parts of any draft and any sport. And the reason why I say let's have some fun, because I'm going to start with Trevor Lawrence, because you know what? Why not? And let's get a comparable here about with him, I'll accept any quarterback who's played in any era. Okay, it doesn't have to be someone who plays now. Just of him, I'll accept it. Trevor Lawrence, comparable. He's tough, man, because I, I think his athleticism is slept on. And no one really knew how quick and athletic he was until that run against Ohio State in last year's playoff, where it was, you know, 60 plus yards and you know, he's juking everybody. 
And everyone goes, this guy's 6'6", six, six, you know, 230 and can absolutely fly. So it is tough to find a comp. Everyone kind of mentions Andrew Luck, right? Because he's this guy who's always been envisioned as the number one pick. So I'll say Andrew Luck, but just because of his smartness as well, around the line of scrimmage, when he sees what the defense is doing, he's smart to, you know, tell his offensive line, let's do this instead. And he's pretty good at audibling like that and, you know, on the fly making quick decisions. And I think someone similar to the, his play style would be Justin Herbert, last year's Rookie of the Year. You look at the arm, you look at the size, and you look at sort of what was some of the question marks with both of them coming into the class or into the draft, sorry. Oregon's offense sucked, right? It was really boring. You couldn't really see the explosiveness of what Justin Herbert had. Everyone just said, well, he has the size, and we've seen his arm on tape a few times, but you never saw those unreal plays that he showed for the Chargers, right? Whereas Trevor Lawrence, you know, you get those plays once in a while, but a lot of it is bubbles to Amari Rogers, finding a quick screen to Travis Etienne. It's nothing really sexy out there that makes you, you know, scream, number one pick, number one pick. But, you know, then you eventually go deep dive into the tape, and, man, he has the arm. There is the question marks, and the same thing was with Herbert, too. A little bit inaccurate at times, right? So I think that those are two decent comparables. He's a tough one to, you know, kind of look at because you don't want to go too high and say, hey, he's got to reach this potential, but you also don't want to be that guy who goes, oh, I think he's, you know, only at this level, and then he just skyrockets past it, right? Kind of reminds me of Joe Burrow almost, like in, in terms of how we looked at him going into the draft. Like what was Joe Burrow's comparable? Joe Burrow's tough and he's yeah. so, so different. I think he's a smarter player than Lawrence was. Obviously smaller, phenomenal in the pocket. His pocket presence was unbelievable. So I think a lot of people kind of, not the size of Big Ben for Joe Burrow, but the way he could move in the pocket and knew where the edge rushers were. He could just you know slide to the left, slide to the right, slide up. He was good that way. The only difference between, I would say, Burrow and Lawrence is, I mean, we know Lawrence is a little bit more athletic and a bit bigger. DR Joe Burrow doesn't have that deep ball that Trevor Lawrence has, but he can throw with you know better touch and a little bit more accurate. So comparable for Burrow on the spot right now would be really tricky. But it's almost a combination of players where his accuracy is pretty you know decent, almost like a Drew Brees esque where he can put it in really tough spots. But his pocket presence is better than Drew. But again, his size is almost in that you know middle range of like an Aaron Rodgers six two six three size, right? But you see what I mean? It's like you almost have to name multiple players yeah. to get a comparable, just like Trevor Lawrence or Joe Burrow. It's like they're, they're so tough to gauge, oh, right? Yeah. And that's where I think the similarities are there. Now, Kyle Pitts, who um, I, I, when I think of a tight end being drafted this high, I'm immediately going to look at a guy like TJ Hawkinson, for example. Mm-hmm. Okay, And I want to know, before we get into Kyle Pitts, I want to know where you had Hawkinson in the scope of the draft in 2019 and and how you looked at him. And were you high on him? Were you really pumped up for Detroit when they did select him? I mean, what was your thinking about Hawkinson at that time? I think Hawkinson was kind of a, you know, fun player that, you know, players or sorry, teams looked at almost to a George Kittle, right? Comes from the same school, great blocker, can catch and run after the catch as well. But Detroit didn't make sense to me because, again, they drafted a tight end a few years earlier and Eric Ebron in the top 10, right? So I I just didn't think, you know, a tight end that early is risky. The only difference is Kyle Pitts isn't a tight end. He is a weapon. He is a freak. He's probably the best tight end prospect I've ever seen. And if I'm going to give you a comp right here, it's tricky because I I don't want to go that high 
but his body, the way he moves and his body control is Calvin Johnson-esque. Mm-hmm. Move it to more of an athletic tight end. I'll say Darren Waller for the Las Vegas Raiders, right? He's just freaky size, freaky speed, and that that's what I see from Kyle Pitts. He's going to step into the NFL and be a top five tight end. I truly believe that. He is that special. Right away. Mm-hmm. Right away. And like When you think of your top five tight ends, right, you're going to get Kelsey, Kittle, Waller, who else do you want to put in there? Ertz is falling off a little bit. You know, like For a few games, we thought, oh, Mark Andrews and how good he was, his connection with Lamar Jackson, then he's had drop issues last season. I don't know. I, I think he's going to step in and be that guy right away. He is that freaky of an athlete and that gifted. It's amazing when you give a comparable for Kyle Pitts, you don't say, you know, Tony Gonzalez or something. You say Calvin Johnson. Okay, now that is a big statement for a lot of different reasons, because Calvin Johnson, of course, you know, him at the wide receiver position is one thing. But to relate that to a guy like Kyle Pitts, to me, that's a big statement. And I am incredibly excited when you hear a tight end get compared to Calvin Johnson. You're going, I have to see this guy. He's worth the price of admission right there. Yeah, well, if you turn on the tape. There was reasons why people thought Kyle Trask in the beginning of the season was going to be almost a Heisman favorite and, oh, maybe he's going to be picked in the first round. And then you saw him play games without Kyle Pitts, and it kind of fell apart. And I think his job became so much easier. One, Dan Mullen has a really great offense, and he had weapons. Right, Kadarius Tony as well is a pretty solid piece as well. He could just look, where's Kyle Pitts on the field, and throw a jump ball. He's bringing it down. Mm-hmm. He would abuse linebackers, safeties, corners. I've never seen a tight end. You know how we, we used to see Gronk in his heyday just line up out wide and go, oh, why is this you know, 6'5", 260 guy out here? And he would just beat guys up. That is what Kyle Pitts can do, but he's faster than that, right? It's so tricky to put a comp on him because we haven't seen a, a player of his body type and his arm length is, I think, the, the longest arms for a tight end they've ever seen like 81 inches or something ridiculous, right? It's almost like a pterodactyl out there on the football field. Like he is going to be wild uh, to watch. It's just what offense is he going to be put in, right? A lot of people have been saying Atlanta, right? You can go two tight end sets. We know Tennessee like to do that with Arthur Smith, right? So him, Hayden Hurst, you already have Julio and Calvin Ridley. That would be really fun. Do Cincinnati, you know, move past Penny Sewell, move past Jamar Chase and say, Man, like it would be really nice to get a safety blanket here in Kyle Pitts, who can also do a ton of other stuff other than just catch little hooks over the middle of the field, right? For Joe Burrow. So it's going to be interesting what team he ends up going to. But I said it like Calvin Johnson is kind of a really tough one to comp because obviously he's a you know first ballot Hall of Famer. He has the body and the speed of Johnson. But it, you know, if I'm relating it to a tight end, it is Waller, but he's going to be fun to watch, man. He's going to be, he's probably. If we're looking at top five players in this class, I'm not going to give you a top five right now, but he's he's easily in the top five players. He might be two behind Lawrence. You're incredibly high on him. I love it. And those Gators were a lot of fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Now, Jamar Chase, comparable, good fit. Where do you like him? He, he was so hard to give a comp to. And sometimes when I look at comps and I can't figure it out right away, I look at what other people say, and then I go watch the film again. So for him, something a lot of people are saying was Amari Cooper. And I saw that a little bit, but he's just a little bit bigger than Cooper. So someone I saw, and maybe this is, you know, a little bit odd. I saw Jordy Nelson a little bit. And I thought that was interesting when I turned on the tape of Jordy Nelson in his prime. It's a seam, catches the ball with ease, right? Wherever he the ball is placed, he's going to bring it down. He's a great 50-50 guy. But 
kind of sneaky athleticism. And we didn't think about that enough of Jamar Chase. It just kind of seemed like he would run past the DB and Burrow would find him. But, you know, look at his pro day. He was fantastic. You know, he's running, you know, just uh, below a 4-4 uh, for a guy of his size too, right? He's six feet, over 200 pounds. The question mark with him, I think, is his route running because we didn't really see it enough at LSU, right? Whereas I think if it, it was this year, if he played obviously ops out due to COVID, we would have seen more stuff over the middle of the field. Whereas it was Justin Jefferson in that year when they won the title doing all the stuff in the slot, right? I'd like to see him get moved around more. We didn't see that enough. Whereas, you know, it was when I looked at his, you know, PFF has these cool little things where it's almost a chart of where the players are catching, you know, the balls over the middle of the field or on sidelines on each sideline. It was red, meaning, you know, he was above the average. He was catching all the passes there. It was almost blue or white, which is average or below average over the middle of the field. So I'd like to see his route tree become a little bit more deep. But I think, you know, what regardless of whatever team he goes to, it would be fun if he went to Cincinnati, right? Because he's just getting paired up with Joe Burrow. That would be a really fun place to, you know, see him play. Miami doesn't make as much sense to me because I think he's almost similar in a way to Devontae Parker, Whereas you already have Devontae Parker. Yeah, Preston Williams is a fine piece, but I, I see Miami going a different direction, whether it, they move back up to six to say, we're going to get a receiver or a tackle. And I think they had a feeling that Cincinnati might go Jamar Chase, which meant they were going to get Penay Sewell, right? So for me, I, I do think the two teams that make the most sense are Cincinnati at five or Detroit at seven, and he can be their new Calvin Johnson, right? You know, I believe it was 2007, second overall, they take Calvin Johnson. They knew they were going to suck regardless, but hey, we have our weapon for the future. That's what Jamar Chase could be for the Lions. Interesting. Interesting how you can relate the period of time that the Lions are in right now to the Mm -hmm. Calvin Johnson draft. And I don't know if that's a good thing or bad thing, but at the end of the day, if you get a player like Jamar Chase and he's going to be what they hope – Look, you can build around them on the offensive end, and, and that's all they can really hope for at this point. Let's go to the defensive side of the ball. Patrick mm-hmm. Sertain, I the second shutdown corner. Um, do you see him being an impact shutdown corner? And how does he compare to the corners that we saw last year, like Jeff Akuda and C.J. Henderson, uh, just to name a few? I mean, what kind of guy are we looking at here? I think he's better than last year's corner class. I know Jeffrey Okuda, he was put in a tough position. One, you got to play in Matt Patricia's defense. That's going to hurt. And, you know, second of all, he was drafted real, very, very high. And we did not see the production at all. He was getting killed left, right, and center. I, I think Sertan is better right now than Akuda, whereas Akuda has a bit more upside. Right. I think that corner class last year, you know, who ended up being the best corner of those guys, AJ Terrell, yeah. when getting drafted by Atlanta. And sort of be biased, Cam Dantzler, who was, I believe, a third-round pick for the Vikings, and he's called the Needle. You know, reason for that, he's so you know skinny, right? So I think Sertans is going to step in and be the best corner of these guys right away. But the only question mark for him is his speed, right? He's not a burner. He's not like Caleb Farley, who's falling down boards because of his back injury. But Caleb Farley has said he's run a four-two. And when he shows up on tape, you can kind of see that. J.C. Horn, who's my corner number two in this class, he's almost a – when you kind of watch him, he's almost reminds you of Jalen Ramsey. Shorter than Ramsey, obviously, but he just talks smack. He's going to get in your face, hit you in the mouth, and just say, I'm better than you. And you saw that on game tape – or on film against Seth Williams of Auburn. 
He destroyed him. Two picks in that game, bullied him. And Seth Williams is a big receiver too. Like J.C. Horn is fun to watch, but when it gets to the NFL level, he gets lots of penalties, right? Because he's a press man corner right up at the line. Sertan's just a clean prospect, right? So someone for him that I saw relates back to Minnesota was a little bit of Xavier Rhodes in his prime. Xavier Rhodes was an all-pro corner. I, I think Sertan can have that skill. But the only issue for Rhodes was he wasn't great speed-wise. If he had to face a burner, it was going to be a tricky matchup for him. And when he faced guys who were quick off the line of scrimmage, that could be trouble as well. We saw that a few times in that you know Minnesota Miracle game against Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas, great off the line of scrimmage, runs short routes, but he kind of burned Rhodes a few times in that game. And we've seen at times Sertan, who was phenomenal most of the year. There's one spot, I believe it was Kadarius Tony in the SEC Championship game, Kadarius Tony of Florida, quick off the line of scrimmage, jittery you know, type of player, beats Sertan right away, and he's quicker and ends up scoring a long touchdown. So uh, I think Sertan is a clean prospect. You're not going to have any issues with him. He's going to be a plug-in player, whether it's a Denver if they don't trade up, whether it is your Dallas Cowboys. I, I think he's going to be a fine prospect. The only question mark is, are you going to be biting your tongue a little bit if Caleb Farley's injury comes back and he's completely fine? Because I, I do think before the you know all the draft, Caleb Farley was a clear-cut number one freaky type of player. But then you get those concerns, right? And that's what pushes him down. There's always an injury storyline about that. A player who was once a lot better than the guy you're taking, but you have concerns. You read my mind. I was going to ask you if Sertan can drop to Dallas there. It sounds like he probably can. And the Cowboys, it's all defense, defense, defense. I wouldn't be opposed to taking a tackle. Um, do what you can, but it's going to be defense for the Cowboys, especially after taking C.D. Lamb. Quickly, before we wrap up, your top five quarterbacks. So top five, I'll go Trevor Lawrence, one, Zach Wilson, two. I, I just think, you know, Zach Wilson's off-platform, and it just reminds you of Aaron Rodgers. He's that good and just puts the ball in crazy spots. Justin Fields, three. He's, it's almost 2A, 2B with Wilson and Fields. Fields is, you know, ultra-talented as well. Uh, four is going to be Trey Lance. I think – if he lands in the right situation, there's a chance he could end up being the best quarterback in this class. You look at his tape on FCS football, I believe it was 41 touchdowns, zero turnovers. Phenomenal type of player, great speed, like crazy arm, uh, almost a Josh Allen type of arm. The accuracy, question marks, especially over the middle of the field. But if he lands in the right situation, he could be really, really darn good. And five is Mac Jones. It just Mac Jones has to land in the right situation. For me, that place would be Denver. You already have a ton of weapons, right? You got Jerry Judy. You got Cortland Sutton. You got Noah Fant, whereas you can rely on those guys. If he were to say go to a team like you know the Jets or whatever, I know they're not going to take him at two, but where he has to be relied on as a savior, that's trouble. There you go, Nolan Kangas. And again, you brought up my Cowboys there. No matter what they do, whether it's the offensive line or defense, at the end of the day, you know the team will be improved because – because of what? Because Dak Prescott will be here. Later. Ah, I see. Yeah, they should be better for sure. No more cloud of speculation. No more of that. Nolan, one of my favorites. Thank you so much again. Let everyone know where they can find you. Watch you. You can find me on Twitter at Nolan Ryan Kangas. I've been doing a lot of uh, football podcasts of late, the Cover 4 podcast. You can find that on Spotify and on YouTube. So, you know, lots of great content coming out, especially if you want to hear more about the draft, definitely check that out. Draft content, always fun. Nolan's got you covered. Check it out. That is Lock It Up Sports Talk. My name is Logan Lockhart. Thank you again, Nolan. I'm sure we'll do this again. 
very soon on Log It Up Sports Talk, Fine Settle Network, and on ASTV. Until next week, Tuesday, 1 p.m. Eastern, this is Logan Lockhart signing off. This has been an FHN production. Listen to our new shows every week on Thursdays on any podcast platform. Also check out our weekly live shows on the FHN Network and the ASTV Network on YouTube or Facebook. Thank you again for listening.